0: welcome to weed week i'm alex Sopran, and i'm donnell alexander this is our special weed week podcast for our patreon supporters thanks so much yeah thanks a lot we're glad you're here this is a interview donnell did on a on a recent trip so he's going to tell you a bit about it yeah, our guest is Sister Kate, and she's in a town outside of Merced, California. That's about an hour north of Fresno. And Sister Kate, Sister Kate is one of the, you know, when we talk about the industry changing and the so-called suits coming in and the people with no sense of history and no sense of humor who don't even smoke pot, Sister Kate is not that person. She did a bong rip right before we got started. And Sister Kate is someone who comes from the, um, the Occupy movement. That's her origin in this, this scene. She's not a sister in the Catholic faith sense, although I have to say, one of the more interesting elements of the, this visit there was talking to one of the nuns. She said, she, I, I believe she said she had been a Franciscan nun for 15 years. She said the biggest difference between her service there and what happened at Kate's place is that she doesn't have ministers chasing her around trying to screw her anymore. <laughs> they are very, very candid nuns. They call it a sisterhood, and I think, I think if you see how they have to sort of band together in that town, in a very conservative town in Central California, you'll understand what, why it feels like one. I haven't been around a lot of nuns, but I've been in Catholic churches, and I know a very sort of specific holy vibe, but this one isn't necessarily associated with organized religion. They are sort of organized anarchists. So if anyone knows Sister Kate, they know her from the documentary Breaking Habits, and I will be very frank and say that it's not very good. I saw a screening of it. That's actually where I met Kate here in Hollywood. And um, <laughs> one of the best things ever to happen to me in the middle of a bad film in the third act, which was a struggle. One of the nuns came over and hit me off with a pre-roll and made that last reel really endurable. But they have a, a really politicized uh, outlook. And, you know, maybe the thing I was trying to say about there not being room for people like her in this new, sleek, really professionalized cannabis industry. I hope there is because there's so many ideas and so much energy and so much love of cannabis. Yeah, were you did you go to their what do they call it? It's a convent. Their farm. Their, their farm. farm. I went to, I drove up to the farm. It's outside of the city. There're just groves and orchards all around them. How many people live there? There I mean, I don't know how many actually live there. There are two houses. I came across five or six different people who are working there. I don't know who counts as a nut. Inhabit, I guess three. Uh, there, it's, it's not a traditional habit. It has a marijuana symbol on the front of it. Awesome. We'll have a picture on our Instagram and you can check us out at Weed, Weed News and you can see what Sister Kate and the rest of the sisters look like.
1: All right. And here's our trip to Central California. Twitter, but you know, Obama, he told us he'd love us no matter what. And Abe Lincoln, he taught us, don't settle for what you've got. And JFK said, don't ask what this country can do for you. But Donald Trump says whatever the hell his base wants him to. To hear the
0: rest of this song by Sisters of the Valley, stay tuned after the episode. I'm here with the star of Breaking Habits and more than that, actually, Sister Kate here in Merced, California. Sister Kate, welcome to the Weed Week podcast.
2: Thank you, Donnell. Thank you for coming to see us this long way.
0: Okay, I, I'm always really interested in making the uh making the connection of the physical place that we're in. And um, can you describe where we are physically? What are what are these uh orchards that are around us?
2: We're on a one acre farm, we call it a farm, even though I don't know if one acre qualifies, but we're on a one acre, we're surrounded by 20 and 30 acre almond farms, um, and there's been a lot of mono cropping going on, which is terrible for the air. Can you explain monocropping? That means they just grow one thing. We chose this land for a couple of reasons when we moved out of the city. The city told us I couldn't run the business there. So we found this farm. And there, it's uh, when I was talking about the monocropping, the air is bad from people just growing one thing. But out here, we have some Mennonite farmers that actually grow lots of different things. And we settled here because we wanted to be in a spiritual quiet place but not too disconnected from civilization
0: you know the funny thing about merced i this is literally the first time i've spent any time here in decades in california but i was editor of the college paper in fresno and when I, when I was our big semester in charge the story the story was the coming uc merced campus and i imagine that that makes it a little more cosmopolitan or are you just untouched by all that where you are
2: oh no that's really important to us um I looked actually, before we bought here, we looked at other places in the Central Valley where we could be part of the farm community of the Central Valley, but on the edge of it, so we could also interface with some enlightened folks sometimes. And I looked, but really Merced County is the only city in the Central Valley that has these three things, a community college, a UC and a railroad station. And we like railroads. I like railroads. And I think they could save the planet. Tell me yeah. more about that. No, it's just that I was I raised my children in Europe. We went everywhere in public transportation. Um, you know, So rail is the way to transit a lot of people. And the Central Valley's only got, I think, about 8 million people. And they're scheduled to get another 8 million people because of home displacement over the next decade. So where are we going to go with them? And are we just going to keep polluting with our cars?
0: I think that's where we really get, it, get to get into who you are and why you're here. I'm going to let you tell your backstory here. Just how did you get from point A to point B? I know it's a it's a Byzantine journey. I know you know that word. Um, <laughs> um, please tell me how you how'd you get here.
2: So, I before Ancestry.com, I did not know that I'm 90% Viking. <laughs> so I think that should be established first. A Viking, a Viking blood. I raised my children in Europe. I was a consultant. I had a good consulting company, three kids and a husband, and a pretty I thought a pretty good marriage, but there were lots of secrets. Ultimately, uh, we moved back to Kentucky after eight years in the Netherlands, and I found out, discovered that all of the money that had been earned and saved over that period of time, quite a bit of money, a million to $2 million, uh, had been stolen and hidden by him. And he made me divorce him, basically, to find out how much there was and where it was. And that has been going on now for 12 years. Actually, I have a court hearing again in September. I'm still trying to get half the money back from him. I'm still just trying to get half. Well,
0: I think that makes up a a bunch of uh, breaking habits if you want to see more or know more about that part of her story. But the part of the story that Concerns Weed Week specifically is your life in CBD, and I'm looking at a lot of product on your one-acre farm, two houses. What's the business, and how does it work?
2: So uh, we make and sell like basically three products. We have other products that don't matter so much. the The sustenance for the sisters is a topical salve that we were aiming for an arthritis pain relief medicine, and what we got was so much more. We get amazing stories of the salve, you know, preventing migraines, taking away skin burns and just lots and lots and lots of uses for it, which we would have never imagined. So our Burt's Beeswax of our product line or our flagship product is our topical salve. The next one, two are both just different forms of a CBD drop that you drop in your mouth. So 90% of our revenue comes from pain relief products that all are tested. We make them by the cycles of the moon, which means we put up a batch on a new moon. We close a batch on a full moon. Every batch is tested by SC Labs. The test results travel with them, and we ship everywhere in the world, and we have since day one.
0: Well, I guess I have to get to the elephant in the room. Your sister, Kate, you're not a Catholic you're not affiliated with Christianity. I, I generally feel like if women decide they are forming a sisterhood, I don't question it. But in general, can you explain what your sort of faith
2: or order is for people? I always like to say, yeah, I can explain it, but then we'd have to kill you. Is that what I usually say? <laughs> <No>. um, <laughs> so uh, look, we th- there's some basic premises here. When I was growing up and being taught by the Catholic nuns, there were 350,000 in America. There's less than 50,000 now. It is clear to me that the Catholic nun is going extinct. The population misses the presence of robed clergy among them. How do you know that? I know that because in 2014, when Congress declared pizza vegetable, I declared myself a nun, put on an outfit, and started to go into every protest, and I got what I thought was my 15 minutes of fame as Sister Occupy. While I was out there, it became clear that people didn't care what kind of nun I was. They just wanted to talk to somebody who is devoted to the people, to a cause, and to compassionate causes specifically.
0: You said something the night we met in Hollywood that the average
2: age of the, a new nun is what? I keep repeating The this average age of a new nun in America is 78 to 80 years old. That's the average age of a new nun. So that is an order going extinct. If I had to build my order on 78 and 80-year-olds, I can tell you we wouldn't be going very far very fast. So I wanted young nuns. So essentially, after four years of conversation from 2011 till 2015, I was out at protests as a crazy single. When you dress up as a cleric and then go out on your own, that's very one step close to crazy. And I realized it. But I had a debate going. I had a conversation going everywhere I went. Oakland, San Francisco, if we went to protest a bus strike or to stop a boat that had blood diamonds on it from parking in the coast, I was out a sister occupying. It sparked a conversation where people were saying they were clamoring for a New Age order and they would say to me, you must formalize your belief system. And I would say, no, you don't get it. I'm a lone soul activist none. I'm trying to make a statement here. In the end, we decided not to be a religion. I decided it couldn't be a religion after four years of debate because religions gave us the megachurches and religions are corrupt and religions are patriarchal and religions have had the choice for 2,000 years to be kind to women or be mean to women and they're mean to women. All of the way they do everything is mean to women. So it can't be a religion should it be a non-profit of any kind nope the answer to that is the nfl is a non-profit why in the hell would we want to be in that club and it's obviously for profit so that if you examine what's going on you end up with no none of that works you have to do women-owned businesses it's the only morally right thing to do right now
0: you have this order and there's a philosophical aspect to it but it's also part of the business can you explain
2: how these things come together The business of making salve and tinctures and getting them to the rest of the world is part of our code of being in service to the people. But we consider the woman who cooks for us and the people who clean for us and the woman doing the bookkeeping also part of that medicine making and service to the people. Really? How does that work? Well, because we are like an elegant, multifaceted monster. Uh, that has to work together. We have to work together. So we all consider ourselves medicine makers, even though we all often stay in our own lane of expertise.
0: And were those some of the medicine makers who saged me just as we entered?
2: Yes. What we're trying to do is live a more elegant and charming, and graceful lifestyle. And in doing that, we look to our ancient mothers. And our ancient mothers, we believe, organized their lives by the cycle of the moon. We also believe that they believe, and that one day science will prove that an energy travels with the medicine we make. And if it's made in a spiritual environment, and it's guarded in a spiritual environment, and it's blessed before it leaves and on its travels, it's going to do more healing than if it doesn't have that. And right now we are working with uh, farmers who want to do some research with us and prove it, that the, there's a vibrational and a potency difference between medicine that's guarded and made by the women by hand in our ancient ways versus medicine made by a man's factory.
0: I'd be curious to know how you how you prove something like that but uh, that's that's neither here nor there. I, I want to just because I've been here and I've lived here I can't imagine how they treat you around town. Has it become normalized the presence of you and the sisters?
2: Oh, you came right at such a cusp time, and it's such a great question. Yeah, something just shifted like in the last month. Yeah, no, they've been very mean to us all along, always been mean. Like when we walk into a city council meeting, if there's three cops sitting in a row, they'll look, a cop will look up and say, oh, God, now it's going to stink in here, and then all the cops will get up and go walk to the other side of the room. Or the mayor would say, What's your name, Sister Kate? What's your real name? You're not a real nun. And, you know, just a lot of disrespect.
0: What do you tell them when they say things? Do you, are you giving your government name to them? Is that how?
2: Yeah, I just do it their way. When I'm in their courts, I do it their way. But then I go home and, you know, put up their picture and throw darts at it or something like that. <laughs>
0: well, I okay. You said something yesterday. I was here because of a faux pas. You said that it's 2% black and why would black people want to live here? What's it like being a kind of minority in this town? I mean, I don't know Merced, but I imagine it's pretty conservative, pretty ag-oriented.
2: Yes, we, that's a good, actually, that's the nicest thing anybody said in a long time, that we're like a minority here because we are. We're treated like crap like they are. I think the black people that I've, people in L.A., black people in L.A. have made the trip up here to visit us that were born from here and, and then I'm like, why did you all leave? And it's the same thing. It's because they're so, ra- it's very racist here. And they're farmers. They just don't like change. I mean, we can't feel bad for them. They just have a really, really hard time dealing with change. And then they're basically racist. So they have a really hard time dealing with any cultural differences. But farm towns are farm towns. And we want to have weed nuns in every town and province across the planet.
0: So we better learn to deal with them. Is there a plan or is this an aspiration? Why do we... We need this.
2: We don't need it. The planet needs us, and uh, and it's already happening, honey. We got a, an order going in Denmark, Brazil, New Zealand, Mexico. So yes, it's already happening. The planet need weeds needs compassionate activist women. And our Trinity is sort of service, activism and spirituality. Everything is done. All the work we do for the people is done in a spiritual environment. All the money we make and the extra time we have is spent on activism. We're progressive activists. We need a new age order. We created a new age order and it has has hit a note with women around the world healing women, activist women. So our our core mission is to change the world. We are here to midwife in the matriarchy. We are here to give a gentle smashing to the patriarchy. And we are here to show the people there's a better way. You said a, a gentle smashing. And you make it seem
0: like you've seen results aside from the orders that you have there. Is it feedback? How do you know that you're actually making an impression?
2: When Catholic nuns in multiple orders in multiple countries ask me to put our spiritual beliefs and chants into a book and make it available for sale, you know that people are paying attention. I was
0: just at a big conference and I saw all the different levels and people who are really struggling, that rare person who's making money hand over fist, generally not a grower. (laughs) How are you handling this
2: turbulent and
0: opportunistic
2: time? It's really terrible. We, the powers that be, the people that are very angry that cannabis is becoming deregulated, the people that are angry that they lost the war.
0: I'm interrupting you because you know I live in Los Angeles where it feels like settled law. And I know objectively that 80% of the state doesn't have it and most of the country doesn't have it. It feels normal. Can you explain what the, that sort of oppression that you're talking about looks like?
2: We are in the Iowa of California here in the Central Valley. We are in Montana. We are where they bunker up with their guns, and don't you bring any newfangled ideas in here. This place is just very backward. There are two Californias. There's been books written about two Californias. There's the Central Valley, and then there's the coast, and it's hugely different. So our law enforcement, you have to think of it this way, our law enforcement for a hundred years have gotten bigger and badder tools in order to rip out cannabis plants, which is the most easiest job anybody on the planet could have. Like when you get your badge and you're there to fight bad guys. If you want to pick a gravy job, pick ripping cannabis plants and then get new vests and new Jeeps so you can do it in style. So that's what we're dealing with here. They're angry and they're lashing back. And our cops come in on their day offs to rip cannabis plants. And they still do that.
0: Do you give them grounds? I mean, why, why, how can they even come onto your property?
2: The sheriff's department makes the law in many of these farm towns. So they pretty much do what they want. I, I, they've never bothered us. I should be more respectful. They've never bothered us. And they let us be. But uh, they really do write all the cannabis laws.
0: I mean, maybe that's going back to the earlier question, part of the sign that you guys are making some headway, that they don't bother you.
2: Well, just like there's two Californias, there's two sheriff's department. We have the head sheriff, Warnke, who thinks all cannabis and all hemp is bad. And then we got the rest of his guys who were born in another generation and know better. So it's the foot soldiers that we feel the support from, not from the head of the sheriff's department. So we're dealing with like a dual situation here.
0: I've been following the local ordinance uh hemp ordinance is changing, and I can't tell what's going to happen. Do you have a sense of what's going to happen in um Merced County with the hemp regulations? what's going to be allowed
2: yeah the um it's appearing that our county is doing a moratorium on hemp for like four three they wanted it for three or four months they they wanted to do it for two years, but now they back down because the farmers got angry and we got angry and why why are they angry? Uh, Because the hemp farmers, the farmers here, the almond farmers and the other farmers know that all this monocropping is bad for our air and that hemp could clean the air. And they want the other farmers who do sweet potatoes and other things would like to grow hemp. So it wasn't just us that was screaming about the moratorium, it was other farmers. So they immediately collapsed their goal to getting their laws together from two years to about four months. So now they're saying that by September, they hope to have their laws in order so they can start taking permits and, and accepting people. In the meantime, we're petitioning them to make us a special category of research so we don't have to stop doing what we're doing.
0: Why would you be a special category of research?
2: There is literally no university student around the world that we've ever said no to. So we've had uh, thesis papers done by a girl in Sweden from the University of Stockholm who came here four times doing her graduate thesis. We've had a girl in a Western uh, Kentucky University do two thesis papers on us. Um, And then we have quite a bit of UC Merced, CSU Stanislaus, Fresno State. We've had high schools visit. And these people do their projects mostly. I'd say 70% of the papers and studies that we engage in, oh, and we've also engaged with Stanford, where their film group did their graduate film school did a film on us. In most of these cases, I'd say seventy percent of the subject is ecofeminism, and they're covering the, They're arguing that we're an ecofeminist religion, even though we haven't claimed the status or title of religion or done anything. We don't want that. I always say I'd rather be a cult than a religion today. But um, the fact of the matter is, we we've been involved in quite a bit of research, and there's no one we say no to. So we expect that will continue to go on.
0: Yeah, you say a lot of interesting things, but... I've really been grappling with the difference between a cult and religion, and specifically about you all, because you know I was raised as a Jehovah's Witness, and I've questioned, well, what's the legitimacy of an actual religion? Which story matters more? But um, do you really mean that when you say you'd rather be a cult than a religion?
2: If you look up the meaning of cult, it means to worship, and since we are in prayer services every new moon and full moon, which is how we've organized our life, and we pray over our medicines every batch that's open and closed, and we sage and pray daily. I would say that we'd qualify as a cult. And today, with religions being as corrupted as they are in the megachurches, it just seems like I'd rather be in that category of the Hare Krishnas.
0: Okay, thank you. Um, I, I want to say it goodbye, but I also want to ask, any specific events you have coming up, appearances or um, products that you'd like to talk about before we split?
2: In the middle of August, we're planning on being in L.A. for a another podcast, I think, with some other big names in the cannabis business. And then we'll probably have a performance. Everybody can check us out on Facebook, Sisters in the Valley, or on Instagram, and these events will be posted.
0: All right. That's our Patreon special episode for this month. Thanks again for your support. We presume it was worthwhile. We're hoping to have some of our very best content up here and come back. Next month, it'll be even better than this one. All right. Hannah Smith is our producer, and Alicia Buyer wrote our theme music. Additional music is, by the way, great Andre Bush. See you again here soon. Peace.
1: six seven eight you know he's all about his base about his base no feelings he's all about his base and his own self-dealings he's all about his base about his base appealing to only just his base just his base
2: yeah it's pretty clear who this schmuck's talking to and i can guarantee
1: it's not to me or you whatever happens he's got just one response he says what they think to get what he wants is he still talking, talking about all those travel bans? You know it's hard to fathom, but he's still got lots of fans. Ooh, If you ain't never met one, connect the dots, because they're mostly white supremacists and Russian Twitter bots. You know Obama, he told us he'd love us no matter what. And Abe Lincoln, he taught us, don't settle for what you've got. And JFK said, don't ask what this country can do for you. But Donald Trump says whatever the hell his base wants him to. Why? Because he's all about his base and it's unproductive. He's all about his base and it's real destructive. He's all about his base and it's um, reductive. He's all about his base, about his base. He's bringing stupid back. He's an unmanageable maniac. He likes the dummies who don't give him flack cause they're his base and they'll believe whatever comes out of that shithole on his face. Michelle Obama says when they go low that's when we go high. But if we get any higher we're scared we might touch the sky. And though he's quick to take credit for fixing the stuff he broke. You know that most of the country still thinks he's a great big joke.
2: Randy Rainbow.
1: (laughs) I told you you'd like it.
0: (laughs) Uh, That's the Weed Week podcast. Thank you, Sister Kate.
1: Good night. Thank you.